This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Ashley. And I'm Lacey, and this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Iowa discussing a cyberstalker from hell. Then, we'll talk about a jealous hog farmer. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Hawkeye State. Cyberstalking is a growing problem. According to the Pew Research Center, 4 out of 10 Americans have experienced online harassment, and 62% of them consider it a significant issue. Since it doesn't involve physical contact, or at least not initially, there's a misconception that it isn't as dangerous as having a physical stalker. That is far from the truth. The psychological torment is very real and things can escalate quickly. Cyberstalking can have serious consequences. Some people even experience PTSD and suicidal ideation. A very unsettling fact about cyberstalking is that we're all vulnerable in today's digital world. Well, unless you're living off the grid somewhere and have no ties to the internet. But here's a reminder to change your passwords. I know, I know, I hate doing it too. Check your privacy settings, and most importantly, trust your instincts. Carrie Farver was born on November 30, 1974, and was known to her friends as vivacious and warm. In 2012, Carrie was 37 years old and lived in Macedonia, Iowa, and was working as a computer programmer at Westcorp in Omaha, Nebraska. Her expertise was in coding. So Macedonia is in southwest Iowa, so it borders Nebraska, and Omaha's only 30 miles away. So her commute was about an hour-ish gotcha. with traffic. Carrie was dating a man named Dave Krupa, who was 36. Dave was born in South Dakota, lived in Denver, Colorado briefly, but ended up moving to Omaha in 2012 after taking a job managing an auto repair shop. He was separated from his longtime girlfriend, Amy Flora, who was the mother of his two children. So I saw in some articles that they were common law, but I don't know for sure. Yeah. So they were dating a long time, and they pretty much broke up. like seven years is common law. Oh, okay, yeah. So they were together for a long time. They pretty much broke up because she wanted to get married, and she's like, what are we doing? And he was... We have two kids. One of those guys that's like, oh, I don't believe in marriage, you know. And so they just broke up. Yeah. It just wasn't working out. So he was brand new. Well, you know, he jumped back into the dating pool. Brand new. He hadn't done it in so long. He said he was rusty at dating, and he thought internet dating was the way to go. Better to do that than to meet in person, he felt like, since he wasn't used to it. Well, he signed up for a couple of different sites, one being Plenty of Fish. Not POF. (laughs) Did you know about that one? I've never been on there. I only know of it through my mom, but... Your mom's on there? Not... I don't think she's on there anymore, but she was back in the day. Is I don't think that's okay, the Lacey's one. mom. I don't think that's the one that people use anymore. Is it? Is it I still popular? I don't know. There's there's a lot of them. Okay, I feel like Match is the one you hear about the most, but I honestly have no clue. But before he met Carrie, he met a woman named Jenna Elizabeth Goyer, who went by Liz. So Elizabeth was her middle name. She went by Liz. Liz was a single mother with two kids. So he left one, his girlfriend of 100 years and his two children to date another woman with two kids? Well, they I don't know exactly what made them break up other than they had mentioned that 
She wanted a commitment. And she didn't. wanted to get married. Right. And that was just the final straw. And he's like, I'm not getting married. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get married. Mm-hmm. He wanted to date and stuff. He just didn't want a marriage. It matters a, a lot to some people. And some people, it's just right. Liz was a single mother with two kids. And by date number four, their relationship went to the next level. They began having sex. He was upfront with her and he said something to the effect of, look, I just got out of a super long-term relationship. I want to test the waters before settling down as in with a girlfriend, not as in marriage, but like he wants to date women. He doesn't want to just be monogamous. He wants to fuck around. Just say it. Yeah. Yeah. He told her that he would like to see other women. He said it to her face. He was attracted to her, but... He said there wasn't really a deep connection between them. To put it nicely, he didn't think she was very smart, but he thought she was sexy and kinky. You know what? It happened. He was sexually attracted. Liz wanted more of a commitment from Dave, but he was still straight up and was like, I have no desire. Mm -hmm. He would even tell her that, look, I'm not the only guy out there. You go date other guys. I want you to see other people. That's at the point where you do it. Or you cut the cord. I'm sorry. That would hurt my feelings, I Well, that's why I'm like, she really wanted to just be monogamous with him. And he didn't. She wanted to So then she really couldn't get mad about it. Right. I mean, she just, she kept trying to say, well, look, is it because she hurt, your ex hurt you? I won't hurt you. You can trust me. She was trying to talk him into a commitment, which. Oh, that's never a good thing. It's never a good thing. I mean, it's easy as an outsider, but. He met Carrie six months after he began dating Liz. Carrie walked into his auto shop and was an attractive single mom, and they immediately hit it off. He said there was a spark right away, and there was some sexual tension. Dave ended up asking her out. She said yes. He said she was smart, funny, sexy, the whole the whole, the whole package. package. She, got, she had it all. She was witty. She laughed at his quips. He laughed at hers. Their first date went really well. So well, but afterwards they went back to his place. Of course. Before things got too heated, though, Carrie told Dave she didn't want anything serious. Oh, how the tides have turned. Dave was happy. Oh. He's happy because he's like, okay, I don't perfect. want anything serious. Exactly. Right. Even though he liked Carrie, he still did not want anything serious. Right. So he was happy. He, it seemed like a great match. Mm-hmm. They both hit it off, but they both were like, we've just gotten out of long things. Let's not do this. Things took an awkward turn because as Carrie was leaving Dave's place that night on their first date, Liz passed her in the hallway. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm loving this story. Uh, well, she was stopping by unannounced to pick up some things she had left at Dave's. That's such, no, that's you know bullshit. She knew you know she knew. She knew. Mm-hmm. This was just a brief encounter, maybe like 10 seconds or so. She was just passing by. But, of course, Liz knew exactly where she came from. Dave was embarrassed and later told Carrie, like, I'm so sorry about this. I didn't know. Carrie laughed it off. She's like, you know what? It's fine. It happens. I don't care. Not a big deal. But Dave was really into Carrie, and it seemed mutual. Dave lived in Omaha, and Carrie worked in Omaha. So when a big project at work was handed to her, he was like, look, you have to commute an hour from Iowa. Why don't you just stay at my place while you're doing this big project and you can just, you know, it was like right around the corner. So she said yes. So she wasn't like living with him, but she was staying with him for like, I don't know exactly how long, but until this big project was over because she had a house and a son and everything. 
On the morning of November 13th, 2012, Dave said he got ready for work, kissed Carrie on the way out, and told her he would see her later that evening. So at this point, they'd been dating around two weeks. So she left Dave's and went to work. At least that's where he thought she went. A few hours later, he got an unusual text from Carrie saying she wanted to move in together. (sighs) You're right. Dave thought it was really strange and it came out of nowhere, especially since they just talked about they didn't want anything serious. He texted her back and politely declined and... He immediately got a text back saying, fine, I hate you. I'm dating someone else. I don't want to see you anymore. Go away. That that escalated quickly. That's exactly what I thought. Just, what? I thought we were on the same page. Now you hate me and you're dating. Like, what? So that same day, Carrie's boss received a text saying she was quitting. So she didn't go to work after all. Dave received more angry texts from her throughout the day. And at this point, he's like, I dodged a bullet. Maybe it's for the best things ended this way, whatever. But the texting marathon was not over because Carrie's mom, Nancy, got a text from her saying that suddenly she got a job in Kansas and she was moving. Mm -mm. Right away, Nancy called, tried to reach her. Carrie would not pick up the phone, wouldn't answer. And she texted her, call me. And she wouldn't. After a few days, Carrie's mom reported her missing to the sheriff's office in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Carrie didn't show up to her half-brother's wedding. So Nancy, at this point, she's like, something's wrong. This is not like her to miss her brother's wedding. You don't miss that. Nancy was especially concerned because when Carrie was in her 20s, she dealt with depression and was eventually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She did tell the police that she was on medication, though, and was seeing a therapist. Nancy felt like Carrie was in a really good place, but there had been a couple of times in the past where she stopped taking her meds because she said she felt numb. But at this point, Nancy didn't think she stopped taking them, but she was being very honest with police. The police jumped on that. They insinuated that erratic behavior was common when someone with bipolar disorder stops taking their meds, which isn't wrong. But because of this, they weren't taking Nancy's pleas for help too seriously. Right. At least that's how Nancy felt. They said they took it seriously, of course, but they would say that. In the meantime, Carrie seemed to be very active online. Beyond that, Dave began to receive a barrage of texts from her, and they were mean and very threatening. One said, I hate you so much, I want to drive a knife in your heart. Another one said, I will destroy your life and take your happiness, and I will do what I can to make you suffer. Good God. These are some wild texts to get from a woman you dated for two weeks. Hey. You know there are crazy people, I see. There are people that do this. Yeah, you're right. Weeks and months passed. He was getting dozens of texts like this every single day. He changed his phone number multiple times. Mm -mm. No matter what, the messages would find their way to him. And I can't even imagine that. He said in one article, what do you do when someone invades every single space of your life? That's, That's hard to think about. But so Liz... The other woman Dave was dating, the one Carrie Mm -hmm. passed in the hallway, texted Dave and told him that she had begun getting texts from Carrie. Mean threatening texts as well. She called him one day in late November and said that her garage had been vandalized. Whore from Dave on the inside was spray painted on her garage. And she reported this to police. So remember, Carrie was a single mom too. 
while she missed her son's 15th birthday, Thanksgiving, and her father's funeral. Never would have happened. That's just... No. She what, She had a good relationship with her kid. Mm-mm. She had a good relationship with her parents. This, so she's missed a wedding, her son's birthday. And he lived with his mom. No, no. My son she lives had with a me. House. There's no way. No. It doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. And Nancy knew something was seriously wrong. She was still getting messages from Carrie, text messages. But she would refuse to speak to her still over the phone. She even started getting texts from her saying she was a bad mother. So not long after this, Carrie's son named Max started getting texts from his mom. Her son's name was Max, mm-hmm. too. Yep. And once she said she was coming to get him, she never showed up. Nancy said that Carrie had always been a stickler for pronunciation and spelling, even if it was just a text message. While these texts were full of grammatical and spelling mistakes, which seemed out of character, Dave, on the other hand, had a full-blown stalker on his hands. He was still getting texts from Carrie, but she would know where he was and what he was doing. He got one text from her that said, I see you. You're sitting in your chair with your feet propped up wearing a blue shirt, all of which was true. A couple of months later in January, Dave was getting home from work when he noticed Carrie's Ford Explorer in a nearby parking lot, so he took a photo of the license plate and sent it to the Omaha police. So since Carrie's mom had called her in as a missing person, they could search her car. But they were only able to find one fingerprint on a mint container. It didn't belong to Carrie, but unfortunately, it didn't match anyone in the FBI's national database either, so I had no idea who it was. Six months went by and Max, Carrie's son, decided to send her a message on Facebook to see what would happen. To his surprise, she messaged back, Hey, little man, how are you? Then he asked her to answer three questions to prove it was really her. He asked her to answer what his middle name was, the name of their first dog, and the name of his childhood best friend. She never replied back. So even he doesn't think this is his mom. Dave was still dating Liz, and even six months later, they were just sitting on the couch, and both of their phones would start blowing up with text messages. And things escalated to the point where Dave received an email from Carrie threatening to kill Liz, and it even included a photo of a woman tied up in the trunk of a car. Later, he received a link to a fake obituary for Liz. Like, someone manufactured a... Yeah, that's just... That is insane. Nine months later, in August of 2013, Liz's house caught on fire. And this is horrible. I'm... I'm sorry to say it. Her family pets were killed in the fire. Upon investigation, it looked like arson. Liz immediately told the police that it had to have been Carrie. Who else would it be? Dave was scared for his life at this point, and he was so worried that he bought a 9mm, 9mm Smith & Wesson pistol. He, his auto shop got vandalized. He heard someone jiggling his door handle from the outside one night. And once a brick was thrown through the window while he was in bed sleeping. This is all just a nightmare. Stalking is no joke. It's terrifying. And anyone in Dave's life was fair game. His ex, Amy, the mother of his two kids, began getting threatening messages, even though she and Dave were not romantically involved at all anymore and hadn't been in a while. So this same level of harassment lasted for over two and a half years. What? Years, yep. Finally... In 2015, detectives Ryan Avis and Jim Doty decided to dig into the case. They thought, 
Carrie's mysterious disappearance was interesting, given how much she's constantly harassing people, especially. So I found this pretty interesting, this concept. The two detectives went through the case with two entirely different angles. Detective Doty worked it like she was dead. Mm-hmm. Detective Avis worked it like she was still alive. So they were each trying to prove their right. point. Yeah. So they knew Carrie had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but they didn't think that had anything to do with her disappearance. There was zero activity in her checking account. So unless she just had loads and loads of cash stored away, which wasn't likely, she hadn't spent any money. So that's, of course, very strange. And people have been harassed for years, but have never heard Carrie's voice. It's all through texts and emails. Detective Avis said she had a good job, a good income, a nice house, a good family, and he couldn't prove she was still alive. The detectives decided to bring in the big dogs. By that, I mean digital forensics. Dave and Liz let them have their phones to get all of their content downloaded. Over the course of almost three years, Dave received 15,000 emails. Oh, shit. And upwards of 25,000 to 50,000 texts. That's wild. That's a full-time job. I mean, I'll probably text people that much. No. (laughs) No. I don't think, I don't know how a human could do that. So if this was Carrie or someone posing as Carrie, they were trying to hide their identity because they were hiding their IP address. Well, after the investigators were digging through Dave and Liz's phones, they started finding strange things. Liz had a photo of Carrie's Ford Explorer, and the photo had been taken a month before it was found. So Liz somehow knew where Carrie's car was before the police did. Something else odd was that on Liz's phone, there were six calls made to Carrie's residence using Star 67. So for all you Gen Zers, Star 67 was something you could do on home phones. Back in the day, to To block your number, number. yeah. Anyway, Liz had only ever said that she met Carrie that one time briefly through the hallway. And they didn't even really meet. They just saw each other. They never spoke. But now they, she was calling her. That was just kind of strange. Investigators also found a very concerning photo on Liz's phone. A photo of a woman tied up, which was the one that was emailed to Dave. They were able to prove that this photo was taken on Liz's phone. And it didn't track to Carrie at all. They also found a video recording of someone walking outside Dave's apartment. It was uploaded to YouTube under Carrie's name, but that IP address was registered to Liz's home. To Liz's home. So detectives went to Nancy, Carrie's mom, and told her, we don't think Carrie left on her own free will. We think something bad went down. Yeah. So Nancy gave them some more helpful information because she received a text from Carrie after her disappearance when she said, I'm moving to Kansas. She said she sold all of her furniture, but she needed her mom to let the buyer get into her house because she wasn't there. As proof of sale, or alleged proof of sale, Nancy received a photo of a check for the furniture made out to Carrie, signed by Shanna Golier. Shanna's first. Elizabeth. Liz, yeah. Liz. So Liz is saying they're strangers, but she's buying Carrie's furniture. She's been calling her house. No. They were also able to match Liz's fingerprints to the ones that were on the tin of mints in Carrie's car. So now, of course, they're majorly suspicious of Liz and are looking into her. But on December 4th, 2015, Liz showed up to the sheriff's office. They were surprised to see her there. They didn't ask her to come. 
Well, Liz wasn't there to help with the investigation. She was there to file a complaint of harassment against Amy Flora, Dave's ex-long-term girlfriend. Oh, my God. This is like a love square at this, this point. Is, yeah, this is a pentagon. Yeah, the detectives weren't buying this, but they used this as an opportunity to go to Liz's place and interview her and pretend that they were there for this complaint. She told detectives that she has changed her mind. She doesn't think it's Carrie who's harassing her. She thinks it was Amy. This whole time, it's been Amy. They asked her if they could download the contents of her phone so they could review them because time has passed since the last time. Like a real dummy, she signed the consent form and handed over her phone. Well, during her chat, Liz also mentioned she knew about Dave's gun and correctly identified it. She said it was missing and Amy probably stole it. Then she realized she shouldn't know any details about the gun. And then when they were asking her more questions, she realized and was getting vague and didn't answer. The very next day, Liz called 911. I listened to this 911 call and... She said she had been shot in the leg while walking alone at night in Big Lake Park in Council Bluffs. She said she didn't know who it was. She thinks it was a woman. So at first she said she didn't think she knew who it was. But then later she said, I think it was Amy. Well, no surprise. Amy was cleared same day. They knew where Amy was. Couldn't have been her. Right. Period. It wasn't her. Airtight alibi. Yeah. Here's the kicker. She was shot with Dave's gun that she said Amy stole. Almost like she had to prove in some way that Amy did steal this gun. Right. Like she wasn't making, yeah, just, but it was a big mistake for her to do all of this. So they determined almost right away, she shot herself. Yeah, it's not hard to prove that. And it's also women, well, some women might, but it's not common for women to go around and shoot people, especially in a park at night. That's more common for men, not always. But, and also, they could tell it was up close. It wasn't from a distance. You can tell how close someone is. Right. So, they started going through the new data they received from her phone and have found approximately 30 fake email addresses that all had some variation of Carrie's name. So, remember, Liz and Dave would get texts from Carrie at the same time. Well, investigators discovered that Liz was using an app that allowed her to schedule future messages. They have those? Mm-hmm. So she was scheduling them to get bombarded at the same time where she wasn't on her phone. Couldn't have been her. He was never suspicious of her because they were just sitting on the couch and she'd be like, oh my God, look at this. That's pretty smart. That that part is. <laughs> her other stuff, she, yeah, she went sideways. Yeah. They estimated she had spent at least 40 to 50 hours a week impersonating Carrie. This has gone on for two and a half years. Oh my God. It's Does she have a job? She was, at one point, a house cleaner, I believe. But during this, I don't know what she was doing. Right. How could she have a job? Right. 40 to 50 That's, hours that a week? That was her job. That was her job. Yes. I'm just blown away. Because I was thinking, man, that's a lot of text. But it's because, I mean, I guess if you're spending 8 to 10 hours a day doing it, then you're going to have a lot. So, in the meantime, Liz was blowing up the police's phone, telling them that they need to start looking more into Amy the shooting and they were probably rolling their eyes the whole mm -hmm. time like why do you keep calling us the detectives came up with a plan and they told liz hey we believe you we believe amy shot you in the park and we want to help they told liz that in order to catch amy they would need her to help you know they'd need her help they asked liz to reach out to amy because she's saying she's getting all these emails and texts from amy so they said 
will email her back or text her back and see if you can get her to tell you anything about what happened with Carrie. That way we can pin it on, you know, all that. Right. Their plan worked like a charm because Liz almost immediately made fake emails that she said were from Amy. Liz forwarded an email to police that Amy supposedly wrote saying that she had stabbed Carrie Farver three to four times in her own car and stuffed her body into a garbage bag. Detective Doty said the details in the emails were bone-chilling because they were so graphic. This information gave them a clue that maybe Carrie's vehicle was the crime scene. They had already searched her car, but this time they pulled all the fabric off the car seats. Once they did this, they found a big red blood stain that ended up belonging to Carrie. Liz denied knowing anything and even claimed she had no internet service. While she was being questioned by police, they got a warrant to search her apartment and found several of Carrie's possessions, including a digital camera and camcorder. On December 22, 2016, Liz was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. So here's what complicated the case. There was no body and no murder weapon. So technically speaking, there was no proof Carrie had been murdered. Yes, she had bled a lot, but they needed more at this point. Right. A few months before the trial was set to begin, in 2017, Dave remembered he had a tablet in storage, and he turned it over to investigators. Well, bingo, they found a memory card that had also been used in Liz's phone. It contained thousands of deleted images. One of these images was a human foot. Ah, not a foot! Yeah, with a tattoo of the Chinese symbol for the word mother, and this was the same tattoo that Carrie had on her foot. Mm-mm. Yeah. So this helped out with trial, but it's still very, very sad. In 2017, Judge Timothy Burns found Liz guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced her to life in prison. Today, she remains at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women and is still saying she's innocent. To this day, Carrie's body has never been found. Bunch of bitches. I know. The three investigators established a scholarship fund in Carrie's name at Iowa Western Community College for students in pursuit of a career in information technology in hopes of associating something positive with her memory. And you may also donate to the scholarship, and I'll put the link in our bio and I'll share it to our social media. When asked how she wanted her daughter to be remembered, Nancy said, as the fun-loving, talented, smart woman that she was. Got most of my information from ABC News. There's a good Dateline episode where... Keith Morrison's interviewing Dave and everything, heavy.com. And there's also a book written by Leslie Rule, who's Anne Rule's daughter. Really? Mm-hmm. It's called A Tangled Web, A Cyber Stalker, A Deadly Obsession, and The Twisting Path to Justice. So I didn't read the whole thing, but I read some some parts, and one part made me chuckle. It was something along the lines of, like, my mom or my grandma told me, never trust a woman that had eyebrows that were just in a line. <laughs> You know, like really plug up. Uh, yeah. I was like, what? I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this case was just, and she went to the extent of, well, she's still saying she's innocent. She went to the extent of all of that, but also killing her own pets in a fire it, to make it look like someone else did it. It's just this woman. I She's I, a, no. I don't even know. Like you killed this woman, allegedly. She had a son i know parents and people and liz was is a mother too and she's trying to act like she's alive to this woman's uh, it's just the whole thing it makes me sick and i'm like just because this guy didn't want to settle down with you 
you, this woman, he's been dating her for two freaking weeks. And she you, probably wasn't his forever. No. Relax. Of course. And relax, just like, lady. Move on. <sighs> Nobody's worth that. Nobody is worth Nobody's that. Nobody's worth it's that. It's just, and she was trying to do the same thing to Amy, even though they had not been romantically involved in years at this point. Psycho. Years. Mm-mm. So she was probably going to do the same thing uh-huh, to her. 100%. You know, she was. So terrible. It really is. I'm sipping on my. My scissor. Paloma. Sipping on your scissors. <laughs> Sipping on my Paloma. And you have a tequila, tequila, tequila sunset. Tequila sunset. Did we mention last time that Duran bought us some cocktails? I've forgotten everything from Arizona. I don't think we did. Anyway, Duran, thank Duran, you. Duran, thank you. We're yes. drinking your cocktails Lacey's now. Lacey's still on Miami time. I'm still on She was in Miami time. for two weeks. Oh, well, let's take a break and then crack into your story. On November 11th, 2018, Iowa farmer Todd Mullis calls 911, saying his 39-year-old wife, Amy, had fallen on a corn rake oh. and was unresponsive. Hours later, she was declared dead. Yeah. Todd and Amy Mullis had been married for 14 years and had three children. They owned and ran a large hog farm in Earlville, Iowa. Amy loved hunting and fishing. She, she was a country girl, mm-hmm. by all accounts. She had recently quit her job as an RN in the emergency room of a nearby town to help her husband on the farm full-time. The couple had a seemingly perfect life, healthy children, big farmhouse in the country, but looks are often deceiving. Mm -hmm. Five years before this, Amy had had an affair. Oh, I just always assume it's the dude. I know that's not always, but... Not always. Nope. As crushing as it was to Todd, the two decided to stick it out and make it work for their children. This, however, made Todd very paranoid that his wife would cheat again. He tracked her and would literally time her when she left the house to go to the store or run errands to see how long she was gone. It'd be hard to live like that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he didn't trust her. Yeah. And why should he? Well, right. It'd be hard to just every time your significant other leaves the house, you're just, you're, are they cheating? Exactly. Where are they going? When are they coming back? I mean, but this is often the mm-hmm. outcome when one yeah. is cheated on by their oh, spouse. Yeah, of course. Makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, get have, why he's paranoid. You have to earn that trust back. Oh, and yeah. that's tough. Mm-hmm. So Todd wasn't wrong about mm-hmm. Amy because soon <laughs> after another affair began with a guy named Jerry Frazier who worked for the family on the farm. Oh, my gosh. I guess don't shit where you eat does not apply in Iowa. It's not on this farm. Exactly. Jerry had worked for the family for about seven years and was at the farm biweekly, sometimes only once a month. He lived about 45 minutes away and was also married. What a mess. With children. Yes. So in July of 2018, Todd found a phone bill and saw over a hundred text messages between the two. So that's how he found out. I mean, he didn't see what the text said, yeah. just the exchange of the phone numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if you see that many in one day, you're like, who would What's this go- be? Yeah, where, why are you? Well, yeah. I mean, he knew the phone number was hers, and he knew the other phone oh. number was his because oh, he worked yeah, for him. Yeah. So he's like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. So he confronts both of them, and in true cheater form, they both deny it. They said that the messages were discussing work uh-huh. and their kids' sports, and they were completely innocent. So Todd's not buying their bullshit. He calls Jerry's wife mm-hmm. 
told her what he found and was suspecting that the two had something going on. But she adamantly defended her husband and said she's sure it was innocent and that he would never do that. But this seems to, you know, ease Todd's mind. He kind of backs off. A few days later, he calls Jerry and his wife and apologizes to them both. Mm -hmm. Saying, you know, like, I I understand I probably overreacted given our history. So I apologize. But just don't text my wife anymore. Let's just avoid it. Just There's no reason for you guys to communicate like that. So Jerry did. He stopped texting Amy. Instead, the two... Open up email accounts and begin to communicate that way. It's dirty dogs. So the two continue the affair. Although Jerry did tell Amy we need to kind of pump the brakes since they're on to us. (sighs) They would meet on gravel roads, around the farm, and occasionally a no-tell motel. So Amy's grandmother falls ill and is hospitalized in August of 2018 and eventually passes away. Then her uncle has a brain aneurysm not long after that. So mm. Amy's spending a lot of time away from home, which does yeah. not sit well with Todd. He thinks she might be having an affair again. Golly. So his mom would keep their kids while Amy was at the hospital with her family. And one night she mm-hmm. goes to pick them up and his mother proceeds to tell Amy that she's a shitty mom mm. and she doesn't deserve kids. Oh boy. Yeah, it was, it was not good. Um, Amy's friends nicknamed her Pot, as in Prisoner of Todd, because he controlled everything that she did. So he reportedly told people that he had no choice but to make it work because he would lose his farm and nearly $2 million if they divorced. Like his livelihood, everything he'd worked for. So he's like, we got to make it work because I'm going to lose a lot of shit. Mm. And I've heard that, you know, like I've heard that several people say that whenever they're going through this shit, like. It, it, it's easier for me to be married and stay than the financial impact it would have on me if we divorced. Yeah. So right or wrong, it happens. Right. So on Saturday, November 11th, 2018, typical day on the Mullis farm, Todd and Tristan, the couple's oldest son, who was 13, wake up early, go to one of the barns. They're working, doing all the farm mm-hmm. things. These were like huge hog barns like the length of a football field oh yeah they were giant around 9 30 amy joins them and starts cleaning lights like the lights that hang down in the barn like she's standing on a bucket cleaning them just doing the farm things suds in the bucket you're a singer tonight prepping she's prepping um so amy had recently had an outpatient procedure a few days before this it didn't ever, I couldn't find what it was, but it was just a quick outpatient thing. This was the first time she'd really gotten out of the house. Okay. So she'd, you know, she'd been out there about 45 minutes and was kind of dizzy. And Todd and Tristan were like, you know, you need to go in the house and lay down before you fall and hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got this. So finally, she's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I'll go inside. Todd asked her to grab a pet carrier out of one of their sheds on her way back to the house because there was a new litter of kittens and he wanted them to be put away because he was going to run some heavy equipment later Mm -hmm. in the day. And he didn't want one of them to get into the equipment and, you know, something happened. So off she goes. Yeah. few hours pass, two guys head towards the other barn and Todd notices the carrier is not where he had asked Amy to put it. So he's like, Tristan, will you go down there and get it? Your mom probably just went to the house and just didn't grab it. Maybe she was feeling the, so Tristan 
heads down to the shed, gets to the door, and finds his mother on the ground, on her stomach, and the corn rake sticking out of her back. Oh. So a corn rake. Oh, my God. Is, it looks a lot like a pitchfork. Instead uh-huh. of three prongs, there's four. And it's. Like it's a manual. Right? Yes, yes. Okay. It's like a like yeah. like you would sh- like. I'm making the motion. Y'all can't see yeah, me. She fell on. Okay. Like she maybe it fell on her because it was sticking out of her back. That is... Or maybe she fell back on it Ugh. and then it stabbed yeah, her and she fell yeah. forward. Oh my god! I mean, that could you imagine how horrific no, it would that... be to find your no. mother like that? I hate when kids are the one that find <sighs> the parent. I hate it. So Tristan yells for his dad, who comes running. So the shed's super narrow, so Todd has to pull the fork out of her back to pick her up. He, you know, he's as he's doing all this, he tells Tristan like, "Run, get the truck, pull it down here. Oh We've got to get her to the hospital." So he does. He puts her in Tristan's lap, you know, in the back seat, and he takes off towards the hospital. Yeah. He calls nine one one. Tells him his wife's fallen on the rake and she was basically impaled. They tell him, stop where you're at. Pull over. We'll send an ambulance to you. Start CPR. So ambulance makes it there. They take over, put her in the back, head to the hospital. But sadly, Amy died before they got there. So this appears by all accounts to be a tragic accident. But when the medical examiner starts looking at Amy's body... She notices there are six puncture wounds, not four, which is impossible because there are only four prongs. Yeah. They determined that this was caused by being stabbed two to three times with the rake. This was not a freak accident. This was now a homicide. Police question Tristan, who says his dad was with him all morning. They worked in the hall barn and that his mother had been dizzy. And so they both told her to go inside. Police question Todd. He gives them the same story. He assumes she must have fallen on the rake. He's very insistent that this was a freak accident, which is definitely raising suspicions to the investigators. Mm -hmm. Why is he so adamant that this was like, you know, there's no big deal. So police go to the house. They look around in the, you know, around the house, around the sheds, around. There's nothing amiss. Like, it's Mm -hmm. all checking out. There's no blood splatter like you would think there would be from stabbing someone, pulling it out, stabbing them. Right, yeah. Todd had no blood on him anywhere either. Mm. They questioned family and friends. Multiple people confirmed that their marriage was in shambles. Right. Not a good look. Not a good look. That Amy was unhappy, that she felt trapped, that there had been multiple affairs by Amy. Todd was possessive. She had told several people she wanted out and was planning on leaving. Mm -hmm. He denied this. He says, no, our marriage was sound. We were happy. We had worked through all that. Her brother said that she actually told him, if anything happens to me, Todd did it. The more the police dug, the more shit they found, including internet searches on the family's iPad, like organs in the body. Oh my gosh. Killing unfaithful women. And what happened to cheaters in history? What the fuck, dude? Like, you can't. (laughs) 
So police now have motive that she right. was trying to leave. They have the internet searches. They have the medical examiners. So on February 2nd, 2019, Todd is arrested for the murder of his wife. Bail is set at $5 million. So this case had to be watertight since yeah. Todd had a pretty solid alibi from his son. Yeah. You know, and, you know, him claiming this was an accident. So there was some more evidence that pointed the other direction, but they couldn't be 100% sure that it was Todd. Witnesses would testify in court of what a controlling person he was mm-hmm. and that he found out she was planning on leaving. Right. Yeah. I mean, Todd was worth a lot of money. He stood to lose half the farm to his unfaithful wife. Yeah. There was more evidence that would prove that he did, in fact, do it, including the phone call to 911. I listened to it. And, you know, they spoke for a while, the 911 operator, with him. And he seemed to be whispering something in between compressions, like barely whispering. And they play this in court. And I'll find it for you and maybe we can upload it. but. So he's whispering in between compressions, cheating whore. (gasps) Go to hell, you cheating whore. What? Okay. Why is he doing that on a 911 call? Probably not thinking she could hear him. Oh, my God. Because he's like, he's whispering it. Yeah. Like, it can barely be heard on the recording. He denied it in court when it was played back. The Google search history was also brought up at the trial. He denied this too, of course. He said they were innocent searches, that he and his wife watched a lot of History Channel, and they would look stuff up like, you know, I wonder if that really happened back in, you know, whatever. Which, I mean, I do that shit. I I mean, I'm not playing the devil's advocate here, but, like, it's plausible. Yeah. So, the witnesses all painted a terrible picture of Todd. The forensic pathologist testified that the wounds were coming into the body from two different directions. Yeah. Two from one way and four from the other. Yeah, it was no accident. There were also bruises and scrapes on her body and a small abrasion on her lip. Blunt force trauma to her face, hands, and knees, which all showed evidence of a struggle. So this was most definitely a homicide, according to the medical examiner. Todd says she must have done that when she fell. So the defense painted a picture of a stranger waiting in the wings. Oh, my gosh. And that she came up on him while he was hiding in the shed. Very far-fetched, but not beyond the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. I'm saying. Prosecutors also put Tristan on the stand who said there were a few times that his dad was out of his sight when he went to get something to drink. So he did have opportunity. Okay. But still no blood. But then the defense would say there's no way where they were he could have went to the shed that she was at and I've got pictures that yeah. will show the layout of the farm. Stabbed her, came back and like Tristan literally went to get a drink of water, like in the office of the barn. It's not mm-hmm. like he, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He didn't run back to the house. And he said, my dad's demeanor never changed. He was not out of breath. He wasn't sweaty. He wasn't covered in blood. There was nothing like, hmm. I don't know. Drew would find him guilty of murder in the first degree. And he made a motion for a new trial while waiting on sentencing, saying that his counsel 
was inadequate. The judge denied this motion, and he was sentenced to life in prison with no parole. He appealed this, and last month, just February of this mm-hmm. year, the appeal was denied, okay. and he is still in prison. And their three children are being raised by Amy's parents. That's so mysterious. A fucking pitchfork, basically. Stabbed. Mm. I think it's most likely that he did it, but I still have questions like, did the son have a good relationship with his mom? Yeah. Okay. Because, I, you know, if maybe she had treated him poorly. Or no. if he was mad at her for I mean, cheating, she was like he might have right. looked. I don't know. But you know who else I feel like could have possibly done this? The dude? His wife. Yeah. Did they even look into that? I mean. They looked into him. I didn't mm-hmm. see anything where they looked into her. But they looked into him and mm-hmm. he had an alibi. He was also with his son who was home from college. So, But if it was her, why would she pick that time? Right. When his he was outside and his kid son. Was outside? Yeah. And they had two kids in the house. And then she'd have to get to the farm. You know, it's like, it. it's pretty inconceivable. But, yeah. I mean, you've got to look at all. Mm-hmm. And the fact that. Tris, is it Tristan? Tristan. Tristan found his mom. Not Todd. This happens so often when in cases we know the spouse killed the other spouse, they have the kid find them. Right. Because, you know what I... But you know, even Tristan was like, it wasn't set up like, go, go find. You know what I mean? Like that. It was like... Oh, your mom, she didn't get that pit carrier. She probably just went to the house because yeah. she wasn't feeling well. Just run down there and get it real quick. Like, it wasn't like, oh, well, why don't you go? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just, and then even, like, when he was interviewed by the police, you know, and they're, like, accusing him of her murder, it was like they kept pushing him, and his response was, were like, me? You think I did this? Like, I'm literally working with my kid. You think I did this? Like, no. No. How could I have done this? Like, so, which I know people, I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But there also were security cameras on the farm. Really? But they weren't working. Ugh. They of hadn't been working. Not. They hadn't been working for a couple weeks. Okay. And then when they pull, found out there was security cameras and they pulled the tapes the day after they were working again, miraculously. And Todd said, perfectly good explanation for that. The reason why they weren't working, I didn't know they weren't working, but after everything happened, Mm -hmm. we came back out here and somebody from the family was like, did you look at the cameras? Like you have security cameras up. And so they went to pull the footage Mm -hmm. and realized that, so these cameras ran, like there was an antenna, like it set in the window. Mm -hmm. So it was like solar or whatever. Well, they had cats and the cats Don't would lay those no, no, no. so the cats would lay in the window because they would sun and they had knocked it down and it was laying on the ground and they didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. So when they found that out, he's like, well, shit, and put it back up and then it recorded again. He's like, it wasn't mm-hmm. malice. They just I have cats that lay in windows in the sun. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent on this. Yeah. It's terrible. Any way you look at it, like this woman lost her life, these children lost their mother. I just, I don't know. I, I was going to dive down some rabbit holes, but. Yeah. Well, since it was first degree and 
I just wonder what the jury heard or saw that right. made the, you know. Exactly. Because reading about a case is one thing, but sitting through a trial and. Oh, yeah. There's so much. So there that, had to have been yes. something that they really. I mean, probably know. the combination of those were not great internet searches. Sir. No, but no, no, they no. also found internet and, you know, and they asked him about that and he was like, it was our family's iPad. So they checked yeah. all the internet searches and it was like Pinterest, wedding dresses, um, jewelry, yeah. kids clothes, like cheaters throughout history, <laughs> che- cheaters throughout history. Oh my gosh. So anyways, wow. Well, before we dig into the patron stuff, you had some housekeeping you wanted to, uh, Oh, it was brought to my attention <laughs> that in my buzzed up stupor of our uh, Patreon that we recorded two months ago, I said Rolodex. Rolodex. I did not even notice that. Well, I did not. I didn't. I did not it. either. But Rolodex. I'm glad that it was pointed out, and I'm humiliated now, and I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a watch person. No, I exactly. I tell you, I'm like, oh my God, I'm hating. <laughs> it happens. I've said poverty. Oh boy. I get tongue tied all the time. And normally when I edit, I catch stuff like that. I'm but not you a didn't watch ca- person. But you didn't catch mine. Thanks, I didn't Lacey. Catch that. Thanks. I appreciate it. Did you say it more than once? No, just once. Well, it's fine. They know. They know. Mm. I'm winking. They know. Yeah, well. Oh my gosh. I, I laid it's in the okay. bathtub and cried for hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No, I really didn't. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay. We have some fun stuff to talk about because we've been out. Well, kind of. We did a patron clip episode last week. And in the meantime, we've gotten some new patrons. Yay. We are going to say thank you right now once I pull it up. We also have a new favorite place, Charlie's. Yes, we went to True Crime Trivia oh my on gosh. Monday. It was so hard, but it, it was it, so fun. It was hard. You were stressed. You're like, I was lead. stressed. She was yelling at everybody for being on their phones. <laughs> I was like, sorry You're about a my cheater. friend. You're Just, a cheater. Sorry about my friend. <laughs> oh my god! I'm like, if they freaking win and they've been on their phones all night, you were, you were I'm going to flip this table we, like we, Teresa. We got to simmer down the next time. <laughs> We didn't want to lose, but these were hard questions, but they did say they're going to make it a little easier. When we say it was hard, we're not joking. They were great questions. They were great questions. It's just, I'm not great at remembering a lot of names as which Especially not first and last names. Oh, yeah. Like, I can be like, oh, the Ken and Barbie murders, but ask me to, ask me what their names are. I'm going to have to think about it, but it was still fun. We'll have to tell y'all about it when they do it next month, so you can either join our team because... Our friends were no help. Zero. They were there for support, but they... They were there to drink. They were there to drink. But come to it the next time, and I'll make sure Ashley doesn't yell at you for being on <laughs> Then you better phone. stay off your fucking phone. <laughs> oh Do not be on your phone during trivia when I, Ashley's around. Uh-uh. No, sir. Oh, my gosh. You're like, this is serious? <laughs> This is our lives depend on this. It was fun. They had fun graphics. It was so fun. Yeah, they they made some magnet things. She had an owl. Charlie had an owl. Loved the owl. Stuffed owl. But um, yeah, that was fun. And we're going to karaoke tonight. That's why I've been practicing my voice. Lacey's going to turn it up. 
It depends on the vibe. If everyone there is amazing at singing, I'm not singing. I want to mix. All right, let's roll into our patrons. Taylor T from Arkansas. Yay! Another Arkansas. Yes, thank you, Taylor. And it's Taylor with an E-R, not an O-R. It's a little bit of spice. It doesn't say, it just says Arkansas? I don't usually say the cities just because. Yeah, don't. It's privacy too yeah. reasons. Nope, don't. If you want me to, I tell just thought me. she might be like local. No, well, okay. it's ish. Okay, I won't ask anymore. Okay. <laughs> thank Sorry. you, Taylor. Aaron D from Missouri, which is our first Missouri, Missourian? Missourian? Sure. I think. I think it's our first person from Missouri. And when I saw the town name, I'm not going to say it, but I was like, oh, how, how strange. I know someone from here and it's a small town. Then it hit me. Her sister is my cousin. Well, okay. Too many questions. Okay. It's Samuel's cousin's wife's sister. Sure. But I just call Lindsay my cousin because it's less complicated and I love her. But hi, Erin. You're my cousin Hi, Erin. Thank you for listening. We love you. And we also have Shonda H. from Arkansas. Another one. Yes, we have two more Arkansans on our team. Thank you, Shonda. Love it. Shayla H. I'm not sure where you're from, Shayla, but if you'd like us to mail you some stickers, just DM us. But thank you, Shayla. Thanks, Shayla. And James H., from California. Ooh, yeah. thanks, James. James was my dad's first name. A lot of H last names is going on, by the way. Oh, and also our patron, Joelle, from last time, we didn't know where she was from, is from Georgia. And Lynn is from a city that I adore in North Carolina. I won't say where, but I was like, oh, yay, I love going there. Oh, my gosh. I go there at least once a year. But if you ever want us to say your town name, let us know. I try to keep it a little more private and don't say your last names or anything. But if you just want us best. to say your name, if you want join, us to join say the patron. If you want us to say your name. But thank you all. Oh, real quick. I send the stickers via USPS. No tracking. I just mail them out and cross my fingers that they arrive. So if you've been a patron member for a few weeks or a month and you have not gotten any stickers from us, DM us, message us on Patreon, send us an email, because we want you to get your perks. Definitely. I, I just have to cross my fingers and hope things arrive. Oh, and we have an Anchor supporter. You know how people can also support us on yeah. Anchor? Donis V. So Anchor does not show us any info, not an email address, not an address, whatever. So so Donis, email us at unitedstatesofmurder at gmail.com and send us your mailing address and we'll get stuff sent your way. So, thank you all. Yes, thanks. So, oh, I have more news. I have so oh my much gosh, news. Lacey has so much to talk about. Oh, I don't even think you know this yet. In fact, Samuel pointed it out to me last night. We reached 200,000 downloads. That's fucking amazing. I know. Yay. It's mind-blowing. So, thanks thanks you guys. Thanks for, you yeah, guys for being for supportive sure. and incredible. But I'm going to make Lacey do a shot tonight. No. Too, and, and she's going to sing. <laughs> I'm going to go live. <laughs> no. You want to see me throw up on stage. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah. Uh, what's new with you? Nothing. I watched a couple of scary movies because Did I you? had time on a plane. What'd you watch? Okay. So, on the way, I watched Antlers, which is that scary movie I wanted to see, but I didn't have that One to ten. subscription. Okay. I love Carrie Russell. I love scary movies. Not good. I don't regret watching it, but it, it eh. 
Mm, not good. It's it's not the worst, but it's not the best. And it was also one of those movies that was really dark. So I wa- always watch scary movies on planes. And when someone opens their window and the bright light comes in, it's so hard. You can't see. No. It's funny, too, because <laughs> I'm always watching someone, like, get stabbed or whatever. And I was in the <laughs> middle this time with two strangers. You didn't sit with your husband? He gets the cheapest seats possible. So we're so both weird. by the bathrooms in separate areas uh-uh. because we couldn't pick our seats. Mm-mm. That I told you he's that way. He would put me in cargo Mm-mm. if it was cheaper. Oh, boy. He'd be like, can we strap ourselves to the wing? Will that be cheaper? Oh, no. But I'm in the middle. They respected the armrest space, which was nice. But And on the way back, I watched Old. That what did Night you think? Shyamalan movie. Have you seen it? Yes. I again, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was pretty good. It, it was wasn't predictable. Bad. It was predictable. It wasn't bad. Yeah, you, pretty much. If you watch a preview, you know, you the, know entire the entire plot, yeah. which is kind of yeah. And I already knew that before I watched it, but I was still interested in learning more about what was going on. It was okay. Wasn't bad. I'm a, I'm a critic, but it was okay. I wouldn't. I don't regret watching either. But it was it was nice. I went to Versace's mansion, and I was. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I it made me even more angry at Andrew Cunanan for Ugh. freaking murdering him because you walk into his there's so much thought that went into this place. I mean, it's not a home, it's a mansion, mm-hmm. but it's just beautiful. Like every single mosaic piece of tile in the whole place. You can tell he he adored this home. He made it look like a home he lived in. I don't know if it was his home growing up, but from Italy. Right. It was gorgeous. It was an oasis. I wanted to just jump into the pool, but yeah. I ate a lot of plantains, drank a lot of Cuban coffee. You had the best. Saw some time. alligators. Best time took ever. Took a dunk in the beach and took a dunk in the ocean. I thought you were sick. <laughs> no, we, we went on a boat ride. It was great. I needed vitamin D because I'm jealous. It was, the weather here sucked so bad before we left. We, okay, when we flew out, there was ice on the ground in the morning and it was 30 degrees. It's horrible. We got to Miami. It was freaking 80 degrees and sunny. Oh, my God. I'm so Everyone jealous. there is so happy looking and, and tan and beautiful. <laughs> and I'm like, or, or. <laughs> I Here comes Lacey time. with her sunburn and melanoma. <laughs> Shockingly, no, I didn't get a sunburn. I'm, I was not disappointed, but I'm like, did what happened here? I was outside every day. But anyway, where are we next week? Mississippi. Mississippi. I couldn't think. I'm kind of excited about We record our Patreon tomorrow, too. Yes. Mm. Patron members. Well, you're hearing this on Monday. We're recording our Patreon episode, so you'll be hearing it before St. Patty's Day. Yes. Excited about that. Yeah, I'm covering a case from Ireland since... And I'm bringing bringing it up with the updates. She's bringing us updates. And you have some trivia questions, For you. In the spirit of the True Crime Trivia, I have questions for you tomorrow for the Patreon. I'm excited. They're hard. They're not Charlie's hard, but they're hard. (laughs) I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) Oh, I need to study. But yes, next time they have True Crime Trivia, if anybody listening to this is local, mm-hmm. it's it, they're in the river market. Yeah, I'll post ahead of time so y'all will know about it. And if you beat us, I'll give you some stickers. Yes. Well, I'll give you stickers anyway. It's so fun, for real. It is There's fun. It's the only place around here that does True Crime I, Trivia. It's the only time I've ever done True Crime Same. Trivia. So, yeah. Very impressed. It's and a good time, guys. Yeah, it's a good time. Barton makes some good drinks. Food's good. 
Food's good. We'll be there. Well, we're speaking of which, <laughs> we're going to karaoke, so let's let's wrap it up. Let's wrap Lacey's it up. Lacey's got to save her singing voice. Oh no! Yes, I, I, do. I sit at the table and hold up numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's another thing. So the true crime trivia at all of the tables they had actual those crime scene, crime numbers, scene numbers, the ones that are yellow. Yeah. They had actual ones. Yeah, I I forgot. I meant to ask them where they found those. Cool. You're like put it in your purse. It's like Lacey. Still this. I did not. We're still she was this just official joking. belief stuff. She was joking. I was not joking. <laughs> Again, I'm sorry for my friend. I'm not gonna steal this. At one point she's like, go sit down. <laughs> Take her outside. He's like, oh boy. Get off your phones. Oh my I'm, oh my I was gosh. serious. I, well, hell I know. I was I was there. Mm. I won't be serious if y'all come play with us. Yes. Next time, they might be our fans on their phones texting their child. Who knows? Could be. Who knows? Or they could be Cheating. Googling <laughs> to see what quote I the serial killer said. how competitive you were. About some things. You were just, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I can't, no. I'm competitive too, but not about, I, I don't know. I'm the same way. I'm not competitive across the board. I mean, you see me in kickball, but I am about some things. I, I really, I'm competitive. When it's against Samuel, I'm very competitive. That's I it. always want to beat him. That's it. Next week or <laughs> next time they have it, we're yes, we're gonna go boys against girls. Good idea. All, All right, right, we gotta go. All right, bye, bye.